Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 129 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Barney and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angela, how are you on this very chilly evening? I feel like all I do now in the podcast first talk about the weather, right? Because we both live, you know, in northern places, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm moving closer to the equator, I think. I'm going to move to the Florida Keys and solve crimes for a living, like a, like a mid-1990s CBS show. That's a great idea, Brian. Would you ride one of those cool boats with the the fans on them? Oh, the big fans, absolutely, yeah. And also, I would hunt for the skunk ape all the time. That oh yeah, you, you can just smell them. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, that's the whole plan, right? Um, is that it gets musky out in the uh, humidity of Florida? So during the day, I you know I solve earth based things, and then at night, I uh, you know uh, look for the skunk ape and, and sigh really heavily when I don't find him. I could really picture you with one of those offices. Like on the second floor of some building where people walk in and it says, uh, Brian Hasty PI. Yeah. And like, I'm wearing a Tommy Bahama shirt and like, uh, you know, like yeah. a really comfortable hat and it always flies off in the, the pursuit of like whatever. Yeah. And then you always make sure you grab yes. it. Just like in the Anna Jones. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm cool with that. Let's do this. Double density. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of snow here. Yes. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of snow, uh, a few feet, I would yes. say. And then you were okay with that. I was okay with that. So you, you during that time, you worked from home because it's very hard to get to, to work because of this, right? And I'm going somewhere with this, so just follow me. Yeah, just on the uh, the day we got lots and lots of snow, I did do my work right. from home. So, on your, uh, uh, so you have your setup at home, you have your keyboard, and you also have a mouse, Angela, right? So do you use your mouse for everyday tasks? I, do, I, I use my mouse and my trackpad. I have both hooked up to this computer. Angela, would it surprise you that almost every website you visit records exactly how your mouse moves? Does it uh, record that I'm highlighting all the text yeah. on our document? <laughs> You'd right have now? to ask Google that. So I linked you to a Medium article all about this um, interesting kind of feature of things. I guess I'm of two minds of this, right? So I understand the idea of like a heat map and trying to figure out where people um, move their mice and you know how they interact with your website. So on the one hand, I understand that, but there are also privacy concerns behind that. So while I comprehend the idea of the useful metrics of understanding how people navigate the user experience of your website, um, you know sometimes there are particulars that can get uh, you know unleashed into the world, or rather like unleashed uh, to a client that you don't necessarily want to share. Right. The takeaway I got from this article is uh, my favorite new term, uh, rage clicks. Yes, I agree. I, have you ever rage clicked? Because I definitely have. Like if something's frozen, I'll definitely rage click. Yes, like just start smacking. I I, I do that often, uh, less often on my Mac because it doesn't seem to happen too often because of, I guess, the nature of what I'm doing on it. Uh, but it happens at work with some of the software uh, that I have to use. Uh, Outlook, I'm calling you out. Double density. I, I don't mind my new PC. It's, it's, it's way better than what I had before, I think. I mean, the thing is, it's not that much faster in some ways because, uh, guess what, no SSD. <laughs> That's the thing, right? My wife now has her MacBook Air is a vintage 2011 one. Oh, a, a fine and, vintage. Uh, yeah, well, that has the good keyboard, which we'll talk about later. And it uh, it still runs decently. She's had more trouble with it now because it's a couple of OS, OSs back, but it's not, it's not too bad. I mean, you don't want to go forward too much with the uh, Mac OSs either. I'm still on uh, Mojave over here. Um, so two things about that. I don't know if we want to talk about uh, how we make the sausage you know, the behind the scenes stuff, but you and I are very intrigued because, um, sort of related to all of this, someone out there listening to an episode of our podcast on windows 95. You sent me a picture of our stats. Yes. One giant pie chart of the one person listening on this device of windows 95. Maybe they were like at their parents' house 
And they, they, they really needed need to get their double density <laughs> fix, their fix. And they, um, yeah, and they didn't have their cell phone with them. Why did I say cell phone? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they didn't have their Motorola Razor. <laughs> well, if you have a smartphone, right? I guess you have a ton of apps on there that you can listen to us um, through. But yeah, it just it just made me laugh so hard that I was just digging through our stats today, and I just was like, this is. I want to meet that person. So if you are that person in question, double density podcast at gmail.com, please let us know. Speaking of, of iMacs and iOSs and things like that, Angela, I sent you an email today. I forwarded you an email and then you, you TLDR'd me for a very short email. So I don't even understand what happened. And I was very angry about this. I just this. didn't feel like reading it. So I am, I see Apple class action lawsuit and I tune out. Yes. So I am a part of a class action lawsuit as having a bought an iPhone SE back in the day and updating to, uh, iOS 10 and then 11, um, and then the, the newer ones. And, um, I do believe we covered this last summer. I want to say yeah with the throttling of uh, the batteries battery exactly power. yes so there's a perceived throttle of the battery power um here and so like I am a joint uh, joint I don't know I, I'm not a legal man here I'm not a lawyer I can barely read English um but uh, all that to say I am part of a class action lawsuit seeking the payment of a sum to be determined to cover the following reimbursements the cost of replacing the iPhone SE the cost of protection plans and or the cost of the replacement batteries and or other economic damages so I don't have anything to do. I can opt out by March 20th, uh, March 11th, 2020. I'm not going to. I'm going to see where this rides. And, and just to clarify, it's not throttling the battery. It's throttling the processor so that it uses less battery power. Exactly. And, and, and what Apple did was actually smart with the way they worked it. It's just the way they explained it. Yes, it was caused a lot of uproar. Exactly. And I remember us when we covered it, we were just explaining that like, yes, uh, technically like it is a, a great move. It's just really badly explained. And you got to talk to the dumbest kid in the class, right? When you teach. So yeah. always keep that in mind. Should they start suing every like Android device? Because those things last like two years max. And then you need to I'm down. No Let's do this. What. Let's do this, right? Let, let's start a class action suit against... Uh, some uh, the crummy old Android phones out there. What do you think Tim Apple would say about this? Tim Apple would say, make sure, uh, no, Tim Apple would say, people love their iPhones. <laughs> yeah, he probably would say that. Customer sat is through the roof. I just feel like the idea of Tim Apple showing up um, to a Quebec courtroom to deal with this uh, would be um, kind of amazing. Bonjour, Quebec. Everyone loves their iPads. Double density. Going from devices uh, two services. I linked you to a very interesting piece from Axios, all about how Netflix, um, in its like um, social economic reports, environmental social governance reports, um, has shown that there are nine instances um, up to now in February 2020 of uh, content request takedowns. So I thought it was kind of interesting because we don't really get to hear a lot about this, right? Apart from the uh, Hassan Minaj episode. Um, uh, of his show that got taken down, but uh, some very interesting ones. Um, so uh, in 2015, New Zealand, the New Zealand film and video labeling body asked Netflix to remove the bridge from uh, the service in New Zealand because it was uh, classified as objectionable. Same thing um, in 2017 with Full Metal Jacket in Vietnam. Not a huge surprise for that one. Yeah. Um, something super interesting and I kind of want to talk about one day is uh, in 2017, uh, uh, the German Commission for Youth Protection asked uh, Netflix to remove Night of the Living Dead. So I'm not sure if it's Night of the Living Dead, the original black and white 1968 or the uh, colorized 1990 version. But Germany's real weird with horror movies and things like that. So Britain too, but Germany has its own set of rules, right? I don't know if you remember back in the day, but blood had to be green in video games in the 90s with them. and Or sweat. Yes, exactly. So it was never blood. It was always some other color. 
is this the first time Netflix comes out with this sort of, uh, from what I understand, yes, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of, um, uh, the broadest one. Cause we talked about the, the Saudi communication information technology commission one from 2019, uh, for the episode of Hassan Minaj's uh, Patriot Act was mentioned, right. For, uh, the one that was removed from Saudi Arabia. They mentioned that as well here. And then of course, uh, uh, two from Singapore. So one, uh, take down request for the last temptation of Christ. And then, uh, one request for taking the last hangover down too. What was that movie with uh, Seth Rogen? The Interview. The Interview, yeah. I, I guess there's no Netflix in North Korea, so it's not a big what deal. What would their service look like? It, uh, I don't really want to think about that. That's kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think this speaks to the idea of like, uh, while you are a global force, of course, you always have to deal with, uh, you know, localization, right? Yeah, I guess we're kind of lucky here that they don't really uh, take down things from Netflix. Although Quebec does have weird, weird language laws sometimes. And I remember at one point when I was a kid, you could not rent Paramount movies anymore for really in English. Really, you had to. They were only available in French. Do you remember why that was? Uh, no. But yeah, I, I find it interesting that uh, throughout the world, uh, different uh, viewpoints and uh, you know uh, attitudes exist. So therefore, um, you have to tread lightly when it comes to providing all kinds of content. Um, you know, globally, right? Well, uh, again, using Quebec as an example, we do have to have a certain amount of uh, French language content on services when they become available. The weird issue I was having with Disney Plus, where uh, the movie would be having English audio, but the images would be in French, seems to have stopped. Okay, good. So they figured out who you are. It just was odd where, you know, the opening scroll to Star Wars would be in French. You're taking notes. You're like, oh, is this an unreleased chapter that I don't know about? Yeah. Uh, But uh, the dead speak. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um so spoiler alert for the first frame of uh the rise of Scott i was about Walker. to say should we block this out or not you know it's mid-february do we even want to go down this path angelo no I think it's, it's only fine. it's already mid-february but it feels like it was just january 1st yesterday you know like like i was just wishing you happy new year now here we are it's almost on its way uh towards way march. more than three days yes yes angelo speaking of march break you know uh, your family unit you have your wife and your kids and then, uh, and we've discussed this numerous times, but um, have your kids expressed a desire to join an esports team at school at all? There is no esports school team yet. There is a coding club, which my daughter takes part in, and she's one of the uh, higher level assistants in that. She's pretty good at it. But uh, no, no esports. Uh, my son plays soccer in the summer, uh, like in a real time soccer, where you can actually get hurt versus versus what kind of soccer? Like uh, FIFA, nine twenty nineteen, probably twenty twenty. I guess twenty uh, twenty is that one out yet? I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, he plays real soccer, as they say, as they call it, football. Do you worry about your kid hurting himself? Uh, sometimes, but the, they're not too bad. They they have like a low center of gravity at his age, so it's not that big. What a if deal. like five years from now he's like, Dad, I want to play football. I would say play esports instead because it's way safer than football. <laughs> so I linked you to a local uh, NBC affiliate um, out in Austin uh, talking about how. Uh, 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 the number of Texas school districts with esports programs has exploded over the last couple of years from 20 to about 300 in the span of a few months. How crazy is that? Well, it's good because you see what happens with football in Texas. You know, one season you're playing, uh, then the next time you get hit and you're in a wheelchair, then all of a sudden there's a murder you did. I was about to say, you, you almost murdered a, like a very abusive person for a girl that you like. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're a football coach in a small town. Then all of a sudden you're chasing kaiju around the world. You know, saying this, I kind of want to play football now. Uh, I wonder if anybody gets those references. If you do, uh, write to us. Or tweet at us, double underscore density, right? 
I'm pretty sure they get the reference. I'm staring at all five seasons of the show in question right now because I have them on DVD. So uh, to all out there who uh, also watch the show, uh, you know, let's 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 keep watching together. But yes, the coming back to the subject at hand, I mean, one of them, one of the cheerleaders, dyed her hair blonde and became put on a bird suit and started fighting crime. I can't believe we're doing this, but hey, uh, let's talk about esports, Angelo. Remember the Titans. <laughs> Um, which is another football by the way i love how the nbc article has an entire sub uh like a section called benefits of esports teamwork cooperation planning problem solving thinking quickly all of those things are things we want our kids to be able to do you can do that through video games yeah this website also has terrible ads Yeah, i was about to say there's a boatload of awful ads here Mm -hmm. from superior marketing (laughs) well i mean like it is one form of marketing right i don't know if i call it superior no so yeah, like, uh, um, do you envision this being like the norm sweeping North America? Cause I know that's already big, um, in uh, certain Asian countries, right? Oh, it's huge. And, and it's, it's coming into North America. What, what I like about esports also is they don't like, it's not always not, it's not always the latest and greatest games. Like if you look at the li- a list of games they're talking about here, League of Legends, Overwatch, Super Smash Brothers, they're not brand new games. If you if you had to play one game professionally, like as an I was part of an esports team, what would it be? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I'm not good at any games anymore, but uh, maybe Smash Brothers because that's fair fun. enough. Fair enough. Uh, you know, I picture you also saying like you competitively want to speed run Mist. Maybe there's a lot of um, uh, with my interest in Formula One. I've I've come to see that there's a lot of interest in sim driving as well. And have you seen some of these sim drivers? Yeah, have you seen the, the they pe- start they drive in these sims. And then you put them in an actual car and they're really yes. good. So you've seen people like the full, like not only on the on-screen dash, but they have like the full dash. Have you seen those mods? Of course. No, I, I, so that's how formula one drivers train. Um, there's the youngest driver right now is Lando Norris. And there's a great video of him on YouTube in his sim driver before he started racing for McLaren. Uh, and it, it's fun to see that, you know, he was like a 17, 18 year old kid and he was doing this. And now, uh, He's a 20-year-old in a very expensive car going really, really fast in real life. So a uh, computer has and trained him really for real good. life. Yeah, he's, he's a great driver. I mean, it's kind of the same theory so, behind like what, how astronauts train when they're going up in space. Yeah, I watched the documentary on Apple TV+. Plus. Did you? What did you learn about that? Uh, that uh, the Russians got to the moon first. <laughs> That's a really good show. Well played, Angelo. Uh, yeah, we're all over the place with this. It's fine. Esports, lots of benefits less uh what's the worst that can happen with esports maybe you like your your eyes hurt uh, your carpal tunnels the carpal tunnel the most injured i ever got playing a video game was in the 80s playing uh track and field on the nes because you had to push the buttons real fast uh the greatest injury i ever suffered was a drunken mario party game where we just uh we got physically angry with each other at one point you broke some beer bottles, waved them at each other. Oh faces. no, no, it was just it was straight punches. Like we didn't even use a weapon or you know an accessory. It was just straight punches at one point. I figured you could use the controllers to smash each other. In yeah, the but face. we understood that we needed the controllers to continue the game. But we just got real heated with each other at some point. So we decided, you know, just you know, let some steam go and just beat the shit out of each other. Double density. Angel, you're you're a man of culture, right? You're a man who likes to keep up, keep abreast of things, right? Um, music. I like art. Television I art. Like music. Visual art. Yeah. Uh, graphic art. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, uh, this past week, uh, the Oscars occurred. They did. And, uh, I didn't watch them, but I, I know of them. So I'm going to diverge here for a second. I'm going to mention something super quickly. Um, uh, I don't, you want an Oscar. Oh my God. No, not even. Cause you know, I'd be bragging for days. Oh. I would just send you pictures of the Oscar without context. 
with your cat next to the exactly. Oscar. Uh, no, what I want to talk about is the on cinema at the cinema, um, uh, uh, live Oscar specials, right? So it's a uh, comedian, Tim Heidecker and his friend, Greg Turkington, AKA Neil Hamburger. And every year they do a live Oscar special. And the show has slowly morphed in- into a um, sort of like a, a soap opera for better, or for worse. And so they had a, a whole rollout. And then like during the show, they'll announce the winners as the, the story's unfolding. It's the whole like second screen type of vibe now, right? Yeah. Like everybody watches things with their phone or iPad or whatever in their laps. So I was just following it on Twitter instead, right? I think that was the easier way of doing it. Well, yeah, but you're still on a second screen if you're watching the Oscars in person. Yes, absolutely. But what I'm saying is that like I am watching uh, Tim and Greg. So, uh, you know, people let me know if you're a Tim head or Greg head, uh, double underscore density. And then, uh, you know, I was just following like variety or whatever to find out who the winners were. This is a really long-winded intro to talk about uh, Takeaway TD, uh, Jojo Rabbit, and then Apple keyboards. Angelo, the floor is yours because I feel like you were slightly amused by this. On such a huge platform, they ask him a question, and the one thing he comes back with is that Apple needs to fix their keyboards because they're garbage, and that he's considering switching to a PC. That is a ringing endorsement for uh, everyone out there who uh, uh, ever felt some kind of frustration about the butterfly keyboards, right? I haven't really typed on, the, typed on them too much. Now, I think what he was referring to was less the fact that they seem to break so often and more that he can't stand the feeling of them and that it physically hurts him to type on these. So things. he just purchased himself a USB tactile keyboard. He could do that, but it's kind of annoying to have a laptop with you and then have to carry Oh, you don't need to tell me at keyboard. all. I used to carry an iPad with a keyboard around. You don't need to tell me anything here. Yeah, I'll see. I don't tell you nothing. Nothing at all, my friend. Uh, uh, anyways, congrats to Take a Congrats to everyone else who, uh, you know, won a little um, silver uh, or gold trophy, you know, for their team. They should have him come out at um, WWDC this year. What are year the chances? To introduce the new uh, MacBook Air with the scissor switch keyboard. Either that or uh, an Apple Plus show all about his quest to uh, join the production line with Tim Apple. Or Tim should send them one of the new 60-inch MacBooks that have the new keyboard. That would be a great PR win. What did you think? I think you should do that. And then Thor could use it in the next, next movie. Uh, Ragnarok was a great movie, Angela. Let's, let's be honest here. I, th- I would say, I think it's my favorite Marvel movie. Yes, I would. I've seen it three times and I, I definitely would agree that it's top tier. Yeah. Two or, I've seen it two or three times as well. Um, that and, and uh, the end game, uh, infinity war, uh, tag team, pretty good. Too Civil long. Wars up there yeah, as well. Civil War is better than those two. I think the, those two were too long, but that's just me personally talking about superhero movies like the rest of the world tends to do. Also, uh, Endgame shut out of the Oscars. I don't know if you noticed that. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I didn't expect it to win anything. Maybe like technical well, stuff. Well, even, even Avatar won a couple of awards. So think about that for a while. This year? Avatar no, no, no. I'm just saying like, you know, in times <laughs> of like the highest grossing movies of all time. Yeah. Oh, well, doesn't matter. I still enjoyed the movie. <laughs> uh, uh, let's agree to disagree and head on over to the paranormal section of episode 129. How's that sound? Great. Computer, I'm a computer guy. Everything made out of buttons and wires. Double density. Welcome back to Double Density, and as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this week, Angelo, I did some digging. I put my, you know, uh, digging hat on. I uh, found. Does it have a light on the top? It does. It definitely has a little light on it. And, you know, I found something super interesting that's actually super pertinent to us, and I thought I would share with you. So the Library and Archives of Canada website has quite the interesting um, series of sections. It's labeled the Unusual Collections uh, page, right? So there's it's a banner for a bunch of different things, and there you can find an interesting list of topics, including Santa Claus's archived naughty and nice lists, 
Um, all public records relating to James Hallett, alias Logan, alias Wolverine, aka the Marvel Comics character, who most family uh, famously hails from our land, also contained within is the nation's largest collection of erotica, Angelo. And this is what I want to talk about for this episode. Oh, really? Yeah, that's all I want to talk I about. I thought we were talking UFOs. No, we're talking nothing nothing but erotica here. Um, and I then know. also more famously and more pertinent to what we talk about here is a database of UFO content. And this is like an official government in Canada website. Yeah. I like that. It's backlack.gc.ca because, uh, the French word for library is bibliothèque and uh, archives of Canada. So it's backlack. So, yeah. So, um, unfortunately the sounds like an alien name, actually the database is in read only mode and which is unfortunate, but, uh, something super cool to note is, you know, the way in which, uh, you can find a lot of pertinence on file, uh, information. Um, if you decide to head out to the library and archives of Canada and do some actual digging, right? Cause some of this stuff is on file and microfiche. Some of it is actually like, you can just be handed over these things. Right. So I, I found that kind of interesting. There's something to be said about old documents to be looking through them, old scans. Um, I, I only used microfiche like once or twice in my life before everything basically got digitized at the library. And uh, it was kind of fun looking through that stuff. You you feel like a detective looking for a needle in a haystack. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I do agree with that. I thought that uh, there's a lot of like really super interesting information, especially like um there's a timeline uh, on the website uh, for UFOs with regards to how the RCMP and the National Research Council uh, dealt with reports, right, and how um, they classify them, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, do they mention that they have other duties to attend? To? <laughs> no, but uh, one of the funny things, and I don't understand why this is here, right? So if you click on the year 1970, it says the RCMP continue to investigate reported sightings, but that's it. That's it. That's all. Yeah. And that's a reference to the uh, Stan Mikulak affair at Falcon Lake because he saw a police officer and the police officer said, I have other, other duties to perform. That's right. So uh, during the 50s, uh, the RCMP took uh, charge of uh, uh, collecting these reports, I guess would be the best way of explaining what the, you know, what the role is with this, right? Yeah, they have to take these things seriously. If somebody's calling the police or the RCMP about something, uh, most people aren't making these things up. We, we, we keep beating that drum that somebody saw something, they see something, they're honest about it. Uh, it's just likely uh, unidentified but not alien. Yes. Um, so s- I can't stress that enough. I think I say this like every time we talk about UFOs, but the U is for unidentified, not for uh, alien. Yeah. Not for, AFOs not for out of this alien. world, right? With the U of the U capitalizing out. Oh, look at I'm that. I'm trying here. I'm really pulling a thread. Really right now. good acronyms. Uh, so I also included uh, a link to Chris Rakowski, a renowned UFO researcher based, uh, you know, in Canada, um, uh, to a blog post from 2009 about how he um, talked about how the Canadians handled UFO reports and things and the like in the 1990s, which I thought was super interesting. Right. So he talked about an unassuming woman named Denise who answered the phone and received teletypes and faxes about UFO settings reported to uh, the National Defense and the Canadian Space Agency and how she would file things and how he would visit the National Archives and go say hi to her and stuff. I thought that was like super interesting. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of like uh, waned in the mid 90s and uh, tapered off uh, because it's hard to justify <laughs> someone's entire salary based on the idea that they're answering phones for UFO sightings. And faxes. It would get, sorry, I apologize. And faxes, another ephemera that you probably um, sent out there, right? I haven't received the fax in a while, and uh, I'm happy uh, not to have to receive one. <laughs> Although I would actually appreciate receiving a fax of an old, uh, mostly redacted military document about UFOs, because that would be kind of cool. I, uh, if you want to send me your fax number, Angela, I can do something for you. 
I honestly have no idea what my fax number is. Well, okay, that's your mission for the week is to find that out. But yeah, I kind of wanted right. to sort of spend a moment talking about um, these documents as like historical facts, right? Because these are on file with a government agency for a country. How, it, it, you know, it, it's a far cry from like someone um, posting on the above top secret forums with a blurry picture and a, and a short printout, right? Because they kind of have to jump through more hoops to um, formalize uh, this as a sighting with the government. And uh, FYI, the server's down now for some reason. Yes, uh, I hacked into it. I apologize. They also have like the map location. Yes, which is super which is, cool to look at. So if yeah, if the website is up while uh, you were listening to this episode, head on over to the libraries and archives website to to click around. Right. Yeah, they talk about Falcon Lake, um, Shag Harbor. Of course, is uh, would you say Shag Harbor is more famous than Falcon yes, Lake in Canada? I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, is the Guardian UFO incident in here? It is not, and we recently received some interesting news about that. But let's not talk about that right now, Angelo. That's for a future episode, uh, yes. possibly down the line, uh, with some very interesting guests. Yeah, yeah, but it's just the idea that like these are documents that you can go and check out, right? Like you know, like I, I find it super fascinating that there's a physical component to the things that you and I discuss here, and we often describe how ufology um, a lot of the time is. Um, sort of like a weird a campfire tale that we tell each other because you are uh, obviously skeptical. I'm on the fence most of the time, but uh, never will I run away screaming saying, you know, this story is a thousand percent true, you know, without sort of like an asterisk to it. Um, so I, I'm somewhat questioning a lot of these like different kinds of stories that we talk about. But at the same time, there is uh, physical proof of some of these stories, right? Like the Falcon Lake incident and, you know, uh, even Carp Guardian, there's some RCMP files in there too, right? So there's always like a paper trail for a lot of what we discuss here. And there's a real world component. And there's like, it's strange to think that someone's job is to classify these, right? So especially if you visit the National Archives, if you ask for certain specific things, they're given to you? Yes. Uh, now, have you searched this uh, archive database? I have. It's, it's Yeah. And have you had any good luck finding no, it's things? it's been pretty boring, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, because I'm looking at this and there's... You know, there's not that much there. Uh, the images are, are are not super. Well, they're actually not too bad, but there's they're not exactly exciting things, right? Like it's just uh, basically police paperwork. Yeah, essentially, yes. But it's it's fun. Like I said, it's fun to see old documents. It's something I like to do in in other areas. I, I there's something about looking at old sheet music that really. Um, kind of gets to me. I, I remember when I was uh, I had taken some music courses and stuff, and looking at old archived sheet music is kind of interesting, especially when it's handwritten. Yeah, I I agree. There's like that physical component to it, right? And yeah. I find it very interesting that someone took the time to do this, right? Versus now um, being online, right? Half the time you're not even sure if a robot wrote something. Yeah, like even scanned, you see that there was some care taken to make something. Um, although the uh, looking, I'm looking at one of the images and uh, the photocopier was not cleaned or the scanner because like you see all the dust on the black spots right. of it but hey you know what it, it, it adds authenticity to this right yeah I think it's, it's just it's weird yes I agree with that I also think it's interesting that we can now consider you know ufology part of like the, the Canadian identity sort of right well it's it's officially um, archived Right, like it's it's part of our government, uh, literally in our library and archives. Right, it's it's kind of neat to see that our government takes this seriously in a certain way. For There's sure. no, I think back to um, the Phoenix Lights and how they trotted out the alien and the outfit and all that, and how they really did not take it seriously yes. when people really were worried about it. Now it turned out that it was uh, military training exercises and all the. 
the lights we saw that were filmed on uh, Unsolved Mysteries. That when I saw that, I totally believed it was real. Um, it turns out that was all military exercise. But well, the I way think, like, it was viscerally was more joking. Viscerally, when you watch Unsolved Mysteries, right? Like you don't have a proper context. You don't necessarily have the the investigative angle to it, right? Because you're just you're watching this and you're you're kind of taking it in. You're going, oh, these are strange lights, and you know, there's no uh, accompanying sort of like uh, empirical explanation of um, a research team or something, right? Yeah. Now, my question is, though, will people come out and say this is all disinformation? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like there's a lot of of, of uh, actual work here uh, in order for it to be called that, right? Someone have to spend a lot of time creating these things over the last couple of decades in order for it to be clear disinformation across the, the board. Yeah, because they do. Uh, I mean, even though it's it's not something we could feel and hold in our hands, they do look really authentic. Nothing. It doesn't look like it's faked or anything like that. Yeah, I uh, I do believe that these are authentic. I don't think they're uh, you know government disinfo. No, no, I, I yeah, I'm not I'm not questioning that at all. I, I guarantee you 100 percent these are authentic documents. They're not uh, they're not faked. But I, I could be lying because I could be a disinformation. Well, you know what? You are working hand in hand with TTSA uh, right now uh, to talk about you know um, uh, arts parts, right? Yeah, and I'm also going to write a song with uh, Tom DeLonge. Perfect. I'm very much looking forward to that collaboration. Angelo, you love taking vacations. But I don't like traveling. Yes, so this is the paradox. I liked this article that you sent me yes. uh, from National Geographic about UFO tourism because it makes me realize there are a lot of other places in the world you can go to where there is also still a fasc- fascination with UFOs. Uh, not only just where you went, uh, Terry 51 and the... Uh, you said when you went, the, the little alien was closed. Yes. Right? So the little alien was unfortunately closed for repairs or for uh, winter time celebrations. I'm not yet. Yeah, I'm not sure which is which, but unfortunately, I was there to spend some dollars on you know picking up some merch, and unfortunately, that was not to be. But yeah, we drove up to the gate because you have to go off the road, and then you know we were met by uh, you know there's a very bored looking armed guard standing around, so we just kind of looked around and uh, went back to Las Vegas, but uh, still worthwhile. That's two weeks in a row we mentioned your Las Vegas trip. That's fine. I, I, but we forget. Chile is a UFO hotspot, and they've had a whole... You can almost compare it to like the Freedom Trail in Boston, <laughs> but it's for like UFOs. Right. That's a really interesting uh, analogy, it, like a, a definitely a different interest to heart, but yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I did that in Boston. That was actually super interesting, and it'd be kind of fun to do that for UFOs. Yeah, I agree. It's a 19-mile path, though. That's a... A lot to walk. Well, you do it on horseback. Right. So horses for UFOs. Yeah, and you might see a UFO. Chile is, uh, as we've discussed in previous episodes, a UFO hotspot. Yeah, so I find it interesting that they also mentioned Japan's uh, UFO capital, which is Asuka. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of really interesting things have happened there over the last, what, like uh, 200 years or so, I'd say, right? We should said Logan Paul there. <laughs> the last time I went to Japan was uh, hit. Oh, yeah, definitely uh, no problems or controversies there, right? I also never think that other countries have their own area 51 yes. and here they mention M triangle. Um, yeah. I, I, is it bad of me to say, do, do I lose my UFO credibility when I say I'd never heard of this place? No, I mean, I've only heard about it in passing, um, but let us uh, use that as an opportunity to look at this next episode. Oh, wow. We're going to do some research. Yeah, let's do some research. Let's look into M triangle. Let's uh, discover uh, how the other half of the world lives. Literally. Where, so where had you heard about it before? Uh, above top secret. Exactly. Yes. Uh, trolling the forums on above top secret. <laughs> right. I'm sure there's some really uh, hardcore, excellent research done in it there. Dude, there are no photoshops at all. Uh, you know, they look like MS paint covers at all. 
No aliens popping up uh, from the window. No waving. No, sadly not. Another interesting one on there is uh, the uh, is Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, right, which is home to the Kecksburg UFO uh, incident of 1965, right, where they saw a uh, large uh, a large brilliant fireball was be able to see across multiple states as well as um, Ontario, I do believe, if I'm not wrong. So, and then uh, you know. Uh, there is a replica of the uh, supposedly crashed object out there in, in Kecksburg, which was erected in 1990. So if you want to go take a look at that, uh, feel free to, I guess. I don't know. It's up to you guys. These little towns have to do something to drum up um, some business. Well, for sure. For like tourism. the state plaque for the Benny and Barney Hill in New Hampshire, right? Like You've been there. You got a little nice picture of yourself I did. with that. And um, your uh, other podcast co-host has been doing some great work on that, on uh, Our Strange Guys. Yeah, go check that out. So yeah, my Coda podcast co-host, Rob Christofferson, uh, plug, 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 the Coda podcast, a music podcast, comes out every second Friday, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, anyways, all that to say, um, another interesting one actually is Wycliffe Well in Australia, which I didn't know too much about. Like I, I read about it um, a little bit, but I thought it was kind of interesting in that um, it is a hotspot. You know, there's a, a people see a lot of those uh, lights in the sky in that part of the world. Did they mention that in Australian skies? Yes, I, I was about to say, like, we watched that, right? Like, we saw that. Yeah. Uh, there. I mean, that was a terrible documentary with the terrible person they talked to because I think he totally makes everything up. But uh, so I think in order of like bad documentaries, it's uh, uh, the Stan Romanek one at the top and then this one, right? Australian skies. Australian. Yeah, I mean, come on. At one point, he kicks a garbage can and people freak out. <laughs> I think you and I should crowdfund a, a UFO documentary. Yeah, we'll go through the National Archives. You know what? I would love to do that. Um, maybe I'll spend some time in Ottawa this summer and try to dig some stuff up. It's not that far away. It's not. It is a two-hour ride. I'm actually going there to go see a musical act in theory, right? So You are? I am uh, going to see Rage Against the Machine, Angelo. They're still a band. They are reunited. They got to be in their 50s now. Huh? Late 40s. Late 40s. Be nice. Huh? Be nice and be nice My to back Zach. hurts just thinking about it. So you it. don't want to come to that. I will not be coming to that. That's a real shame. Angelo, so let us set a date here. Uh, episode 130, we're going to look at the M triangle um, in Russia, right? Let's do that. Perfect. As long as nobody comes after us uh, because we start digging into some files. That's fine. I, I do believe a simple Google search uh, won't reveal much unless my... They're, You're not going to contact the Russian government to talk no, about No, they're going to track my mouse movements. So. What kind of research are you doing? Uh, cursory. Cursory. Let's start with that. I may get uh, super in-depth. And let's be honest here, I'm the only one doing research these days. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you are welcome to look up the words M-triangle and then hope for the best. I will I will do some research for you, Brian. Let's... let's, let's, let's do this collectively, Angelo. Yeah, but I, you, you have me for my color commentary and my editing. That skills, is very true. Yes. I did not yes. edit, edit. Also, you're exception. not a people person, right? Necessarily. So, you know, I, I handle the shaking of hands, the kissing of babies. You handle. I'll go look at the library this week to see if there's anything on it. Oh yeah, do that. There's got to be at least one thing mentioned of it somewhere in the entire library. Like on JSTOR or something? Yeah, maybe. Hit up JSTOR for me. Let's do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Let's get academic. Angela, I feel like we need to end episode 120 of the Double Density Podcast before we just keep rambling on about M-Triangle and using academic internet. Great. I'm going to use that this week to look up M-Triangle. Do you remember where people can find us on the internet, Angela? Is that something that you can talk about? Yeah, they can go to uh, www.doubledensity.net and they'll find everything they need at that website. That's right. It's like they don't even need the www. Forget the www. Toss that out. Just Double Density. Net. You can also find us on Twitter, double underscore density, and then uh, double density podcast over on Instagram, where I think I'm going to post the Windows 95 picture because it made me laugh so much. Yeah, you were so excited about it. You, it's uh, it's so random. Like, I want to know who this person on this device is. 
So how did you end up at it? You just started. I was just pressing- looking. I was looking at the analytics, you know, as I do sometimes, trying to figure out where our listens are coming from and what devices they're using, because you know it's it's sort of interesting. And then I love that. Stuff. I landed on that, and I couldn't I couldn't help myself. And a, and a shout out to Fireside for some really great stats. Yes, Fireside FM. If you're looking to host a podcast, uh, definitely a good place to start. With that, we're ending episode 129 of the Double Density Podcast. And then tune in next episode as I force Angelo to actually visit a physical library for research purposes. I can't wait. <laughs>